Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I'm here with Kieran Hannon, who is the CMO of Belkin International. Kieran, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Nadine. Great to be here, and hello, everybody. I am so excited that you were able to join today. You know, I've been a huge fan of yours for a very, very long time. Uh, but why don't we start with just a quick uh, background on how you got to be the CMO of Belkin, uh, because you've taken such an interesting path through your career. Um, yes. Um, so quick snapshot, I am CMO of Belkin, and today Belkin, we've got four brands. I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But what got me here is um, all the way back, I was a swimmer and the team, the swimming team was so important to us, team events, relays and so forth. So uh, mentoring, training and growing and winning has all been a big part of my past. I think that's really uh, the key trigger for me being a marketer uh, because you have to understand the human psyche. You have to understand the competitive pressures and environment and you have to have the ability to compete and win. I think that's kind of been a great grounding for me as as a marketer. Additionally, the first half of my career was in the advertising world, working advertising agencies. And of all people, Nadine, you know the best, that content, great content, engaging content is so important. I think that training and helping craft uh, a very uh, succinct message in a compelling way is so, uh, so wonderful as another foundation for me being a great marketer. And that brings me to where I am today, uh, uh, working through the agencies uh, and helping craft brands. I really wanted to be the brand driver itself and moved into the uh, client world, started with Radio Shack a, a while back. And a um, very successful time for Radio Shack, albeit no longer around now, but one of my biggest uh, achievements there was winning a gold from the National Retail Federation. And that was for a campaign we created for the holiday season and we uh, had the best Black Friday ever in the company's history. So I'm very honored for that recognition for our team by the NRF. And where I am today is I've been at the sweet spot of digital mobile retail my whole life. And Belkin started in the channel. Belkin's a 35-year-old brand, grew up through the channel, through uh, its retail presence around the world. And it's at the heart of digital because what we enable are digital experiences for people. And so it was a perfect marry of my skills with the goal of Chet Pipkin, the founder and CEO, and where he wants to bring the company. I do know you've been very, very involved in all things technology, uh, especially IoT. 
And what what is it that inspires you about the technology aspect and, and how are you involved with the new developments? Well, technology for the sake of technology isn't exciting. It's what technology allows you to do. And that's what has me so excited. It is uh, the ability for people to engage in ways that they've never been able to engage before and do things that they've never been able to do before. And more importantly, take the mundane things out of life to let them focus on things that are most important to them. And that's the beauty about technology. It allows you to do all of that. So that's what has me exciting. It's the outcomes. It's the benefit of technology, not necessarily the tech itself. Well said. And I think you displayed that beautifully when you did launch the Wemo brand, because it was all about helping consumers leverage that technology to create more time away from technology. That's true. I mean, living in the moment, right? You know, you shouldn't have to worry about, did you leave the holiday lights on or is the iron left on or the sprinklers on when it's raining? You should never have to worry about stuff like that. And that's the beauty of of our Wemo brand allows you to live in the moment. It takes care of those things. It's peace of mind and reassurance. So uh, that's what counts. Yeah, absolutely. Now you spend a lot of time outside of Belkin with startups. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, which groups you're involved with and how you participate with them? Sure. Happy to. Um, One of the things I love to do is give back and mentor. And I'm on the the advisory board of Enterprise Ireland here in the United States. Enterprise Ireland is an Irish government-owned agency that helps Irish startups around the world. So that's one big way I participate and give back, and that's in a voluntary mode. Another way is I'm also co-founder of the Irish Technology Leadership Group, which is a nonprofit which also helps Irish startups. And not just uh, in in a way from a network standpoint, but it's also meaningful uh, from a way of strategic guidance, uh, support services, and actually when needed, we help raise funds for Irish startups. So that's another great way I give back. Plus, I'm very involved in the startup community here in Los Angeles, the Silicon Beach of of the uh, tech world. And um, it just allows you, I get so invigorated by spending time with people and talking about what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish with technology. So so I do it formally through a number of organizations and informally and myself as well. I'm also on a number of tech boards. So I'm very proud of the work I do in that area. Oh, that's great. And how much of that comes back with you to the office as you're thinking about your product portfolio um, and your love for all things digital technology, giving back, mentoring, how has that shaped the, the product portfolio at Belkin? Well, at the end of the day, it's it's really understanding consumer needs and unearthing those consumer insights. And that's what we do as a company and as a brand. We're very good about uh, people have experiences they want with their devices and we're able to connect those dots for them. And that's what we do. We're, we're constantly doing research, constantly unearthing insights. For example, our ScreenCare Plus uh, overlay application system, uh, which you'll see in Apple stores, is uh, a result of 90% of consumers wanted an overlay for their device, a screen overlay, a screen protector, but only 10% of people did it because the experience was horrendous. You had to make sure uh, the overlay was perfectly aligned to the device and there was no bubbles and it got applied correctly. And that never really happened. So we took a step back and we uh, attacked it from another angle. We created a machine that you could put your device into and the machine ensured 
that the overlay itself was properly aligned with the device and was applied without any uh, air bubbles. And it was done in two minutes or less, whereas previously it could take up to 45 minutes to do it by hand. And that's a, that's a wonderful experience. And that's something that is a great example of unearthing a consumer insight and developing a solution to uh, resolve that issue. That's great. And when you think about the application of technology in this rapidly evolving landscape, especially in MarTech, and I think the last quote I heard was there was more than 5,000 different solutions out there. You know, how do you grapple with that as you're wearing your CMO hat? Well, unfortunately, the complexity is outstanding, as you just pointed out. And another thing that we do as a company in our DNA is uh, a phrase we have that we live by, you know, through complexity comes simplicity. And so I apply that to the MarTech world. Um, people have a point solution for a single need. And sometimes it doesn't all uh, ladder up to a, a broader insight from cons- for consumers. So rather than adding a new system in and adding more data and more analysis that sometimes can pollute the insight, we really uh, take a step back. Is this really necessary? Is this something that's really going to, uh, from a, a determinant standpoint, drive the business? And if it does, then we have that conversation. But if it's if it's just a nice to have, then we're very reluctant to kind of add that onto uh, our platform. There's one unifying metric that we have as a company, everybody in the company lives by, which is our net promoter score. And that's that's our live or die by, and that's the one data point that we constantly measure and track. Uh, with our products, we have a three-day, three-week, three-month, and yearly MPS study uh, that we uh, ensure we understand every point of the purchase process and post-purchase going into loyalty, how the consumer MPS is stacking up year over year. And that's the most important one for us. When you think about NPS, it's really driven on whether or not consumers would recommend you or your brand to someone else. I mean, you actually have built a whole center of excellence, if you will. I think you call it the voice of the customer department so that you can actually think through those concepts and iterate sometimes overnight on new concepts. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, we have a very strong consumer insights uh, group here in the company. We even have our own qualitative facility on site. So it allows us to have constant research on the way, whether it's about product, product existing products, seeing if they continue to satisfy consumers, you know, product improvement, new product development, all the way through packaging and types of packaging, packaging engineering, quality packaging, and the communication of packaging. So everything in between, we also uh, can test and we do. Our UX team is constantly doing research around app usage and and, uh, customer journey pathing and so forth. So we are always out in the market understanding the voice of customer and applying, applying it. And the beauty of it is because we're vertically integrated, we have our own model studio in-house, so they can hand-create models as required. We have all the lays in 3D printing. So if we see something during the day that warrants some kind of revision or change, we can do it overnight, iterate overnight, the next morning back in and continue that research. So uh, that's the beauty of our agility. We're very focused on the outcomes, not speed for the sake of speed, but agility in order to drive the positive outcome that we're trying to get to. 
I'm so glad you mentioned agility. And, and as you rightfully said, agility is, is not the same as speed. Um, and what was interesting is you and I had this conversation before where you said, Nadine, we've gone from agile marketing to agile branding. Did I get that right? That's true. Yeah, that's how I think about it. And that's really putting the power of the consumer into the equation. For instance, one of the things is consumer reviews, right? That's the most important currency today as it relates to who influences other people about purchase uh, decisions. So those review ratings that you get on the e-com sites, the quality of the reviews and the, the quality of the the, the quantity, the number of reviews you get as well is important, but most important is the star rating. And we were very laser focused on that. And that's one example of, of what I call agile branding or agile marketing. It is this constant 24 uh, seven behavior around the brand and how the brand evolves and, and fluctuates in a positive way. And you know, if there's a product comes to market that has a, a subpar consumer rating, we actually stop it and we take it off market and um, we make necessary changes before we bring it back. And fortunately, that hasn't happened a lot in the last five years. <laughs> I don't assume it would. I mean, I, going back to the Wemo brand, I mean, you, you've really focused on creating brands that help consumers uh, in their journey. And, and now with your fourth brand, uh, Finn, which is really connected to the greater good. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you thought of that product to begin with? What inspired you to bring that product to market? So the first brand, Belkin, uh, which is synonymous obviously with the company named Belkin International, a 35-year-old brand, it's a leader in the peripheral accessory space. So any, any device, any smartphone, tablet, laptop, computer, e-reader, you name it, there's a Belkin solution for you uh, that um, fulfills your need to have those experiences. Then uh, we have a brand called Linksys. And when you think about the importance of Wi-Fi in the home, we did a great study uh, with IDC. And uh, after food and shelter, the second most uh, desirable uh, need was Wi-Fi. Uh, above alcohol and other things, which su- surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> but but the importance of Wi-Fi in anything that you do, your entertainment, your education, just things around your home, the smart home, right? With the, with the internet things, everything is, is Wi-Fi connected, our Bluetooth connected, our Zigbee connected, and we have to make that work. So at the center of any home these days is great Wi-Fi, and that is Linksys. And then our third brand, Wemo, we talked a little bit about that. That's our point of view around the smart home and enabling devices in the smart home. It is really the most approachable entry point. Uh, We've got a smart plug, which you just plug into the wall. You can control it with an app or voice control with your Alexa, Google uh, Assistant or um, HomeKit. And uh, you can uh, plug in a lamp and you can say, hey, um, you know, Wemo, turn on my lamp if you've got your hands full. And there's so many great examples of how Wemo has made people's lives better and simpler. And then Finn, P-H-Y-N, which is our new brand, which we launched at the Consumer Electronics Show this year. And that's our point of view around water. It's about water, uh, understanding water, understanding water usage in the home, and being able to help you make better decisions about how that precious resource is, is utilized. And actually came out of our Wemo brand. It's uh, the technology and IP was part of our Wemo water 
uh, development and uh, Upanor, which is one of the world's largest plumbing companies, um, it came to us and asked us if we were interested in, in bringing it to market with them and no better people to do it with. So we created a joint venture and it's Finn, P-H-Y-N, and it's uh, up and running. Oh, and that awesome. is a smart meter. Yeah, it's a smart meter, uh, water meter attached to your intake valve on the exterior of your home. And it's also got a smart valve, which allows it to turn off your water should a potential catastrophic incident be recognized by the system. It's the ability not only to look upstream if a potential uh, incident is about to happen, but also then profile the water usage in your home by device type. So you can understand if there's something that's that's leaking. A lot of people, frankly, we did a, a 300 home beta last year. 22% of all homes had a leak in their basement. Oh my 22%. Gosh. Nearly a quarter of all homes. And they didn't know that. So not only is that not great for your home, right? It's a safety issue. But more importantly, water being such a precious resource now in many parts of the world, you certainly don't want to be wasting water like that. So being able to have those insights, we help people monitor, measure, and manage the water usage. Oh, that's great. I definitely could use one of those for sure here. I, I don't even want to look at my water bill this month. But more importantly, as you said, for the whole world to save water overall as a precious resource. So, so hats off for creating a product that can help so many. Um, I, you know, you mentioned a couple of things and I don't even know which one to go to next because they're both really exciting. So I'll let you take them in any which order you want, but let's talk about CES because I know you guys had and, and have had consistently every year, one of the largest booths, and that takes a huge amount of energy to pull together. So I want to talk about how you think about that and how you prep for that. But related is your team, because for you to be doing all these amazing things and, and creating all these new products, uh, you've really had to be a, a strong mentor to your, your very large extended team. Uh, so th- those kind of go hand in hand, but I'll let you tackle them either way. Sure. Um, yes, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is held every year in Las Vegas in January, is for us the pinnacle of being able to uh, demonstrate the experiences that we create. It's very, very important for us, not only for our retail customers who uh, are in attendance, but also for our partners and for our employees to, uh, to get a really good sense of who we are across our collective brands and why it's so important. And we don't have a boot the size of some of the big brands, bigger brands like the Samsungs and Intels of this world, but we've got a sizable uh, experience created in 8,000 square feet. And that in that space, we have each of our brands are demonstrating uh, through experiences of how those brands make people's lives better. And um, that for us is, a, is something we're very proud of. And we win uh, a lot of awards from CES uh, not only for our products, but also for the experiences created at the booth. So um, it's it's a big team effort. It's everybody in the company is involved. And I don't think there's not one department or group that it doesn't touch. Everything from our IT team who helps us ensure uh, uh, all the technologies working in the booth itself to all of our admins who help staff it and everybody in between our product managers, our marketers, even finance people get involved and help out. So we're very proud of the cross-functional effort that goes into it. And um, again, it, people leave CES and they, they feel really proud about the company. 
Uh, it gives them a great start to the year, a great kind of win behind their sales as we go into new year and, and kick it off. And it's also a lot of the products that we bring to market, we announce them at CES. So people get to see all the great new things that we, we will have this year. And so uh, we leave CES feeling very proud, having won um, you know, a lot of awards from our peers and having our retail customers tell us how much they love our brands and, and our people. And it can be it uh, couldn't be much better than that. Yeah, that, that's a, a great example. So thanks for sharing that. And, you know, let's talk about the teams now, because I know you are probably one of the most dedicated mentors I've ever met. Can you talk about where that philosophy came from and how you're actually practicing that at Belkin and, and what the, the end result has been? Sure. Uh, for me, there's nothing more important than a team. And i, I we started off talking about, you know, swimming, uh, the team I was on and, and what it meant to me. So for me to see people succeed individually as a group is so heartening. And uh, I think that's just where it, it started for me, you know, culturally and psychologically, I'm, I'm wired that way. And I love to see people succeed. As we let people uh, try different things and the beauty of agile marketing is you can fail fast and fail quick. Not that we like to fail, but it's an important part of somebody's learning process. Being, being able to witness it and experience it itself is better than telling somebody that they're going to fail. And so we've seen uh, programs or projects that I, we know we're going to fail, but we let them go through because it's a great individual lesson and the person comes out a much better person uh, through that process. And so we do reward success and we do support failure as well. And um, by mentoring, we let people really shine. And uh, we talked a little bit about CS. I think I've talked to you before. We had somebody who was a, a web designer and at CS three years ago, they actually created an experience at CS that was a physical experience, had nothing to do with the web. And it was one of the best experiences at the uh, our booth that year. And that's an example of getting somebody to think about things in a different way and extend their their skills. And I think uh, as marketers, I, I don't think we do enough of that uh, between companies. And, you know, I'd love to work with my other colleagues and peers in other industries and trade our employees for a month and, and have them go and work at their company for a month and then they come here and, and see things, uh, you know, what we're doing, we can learn from them, they can learn from us. And I just think it's a win-win for everybody. So, uh, I'll put that out there. Let's let's try and make it happen in 2018. I think it's a great idea. And and how wonderful would it be for the people who get to participate in that program? I mean, it's a it's a wonderful way to expand their horizons and also give them variety um, and and really spur their thinking. So I think it's brilliant. And not only do the individuals benefit, but also the companies benefit. The rest of the employees benefit because we get to. Uh, see see things through their eyes and what they're experiencing and opens up um, learning opportunities for us as well. So it's a win-win-win all around. Yeah, agreed. So Kieran, what would you say are some of the best things that you did to grow yourself as you evolved into this leadership role as CMO? Were there certain uh, classes that you took or peer groups that you participated in? Or you know, how did you develop these amazing capabilities that you have now as a leader? Well, I think a lot of it's self-learning. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, historically used to be the classic tree trunk. You worked your way up the trunk of the tree to the next level of experience and responsibility. Today, uh, we think of it as the branches of the tree, and you're 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 walking around different branches to get different experiences. And one of the things I, I encourage people: never take a job for money. Always take it for the experience and what you think you're going to get out of it from an experience standpoint and what you're going to be able to bring to it from an experience standpoint. That's the most important thing. And so if I look back over my career, uh, all decisions I made has always been about extending my experiences and my understanding and being able to be a much more grounded individual. I think there's a couple of other things. Obviously, being part of networking groups is good. Um, you get to collaborate with your peers in other organizations, other categories, and you can ask questions and learn from them as well. That's always something I highly recommend. Uh, the other thing, though, is just as a human being, having that innate curiosity, always trying to learn something new or something different. Um, I read four uh, newspapers a day. I, I constantly am reading um, periodicals just, just to stay on top of things. Uh, it makes you a more grounded person and it helps you. You're in the real world. You're understanding how other industries are doing, how consumers are acting and what competitive pressures might be coming around the corner. So just being able to to absorb and read and, and use that information when the time comes, I think it's another valued uh, way to build out your marketing skills and be a strong marketer. Yeah, I think there's a, there's so much content in the marketplace now. I think a lot of people struggle with picking the right sources of content. Uh, would you mind sharing which four journals that you read every day? Sure, sure. And and the and the first one is is my bible. I love it. It's the Financial Times. Even though it's called financial, it's it there is obviously um um Wall Street uh, data included there, but it's such a phenomenal newspaper the writing, the quality, the editorial, and and the industries that they cover. So that, for me, is a go-to every day. And then, obviously, you know, living in the U.S., the Wall Street Journal is an absolute necessity. The New York Times is another absolute necessity. And then, uh, because I live in Los Angeles, uh, the L.A. Times is another one that I uh, read every day just to see what's going on in the local markets and from a political, geographic, uh, financial, and other areas as well. So those are the four I read religiously every day. Uh, and and all, the, all the usual periodicals I, I, I consume, everything from um, um, you know, Bloomberg Business Week to Fortune uh, and everything in between. The one, the one, this is a little eye-opening, one that I've tried to consume, and I've sometimes lost myself in it, is The Economist. It's a great publication. It can be heavy going, though. And so for me, I think the Financial Times gives me what uh, I would look to get from The Economist. So that's a little uh, eye opener there. Uh, people might, might surprise people. <laughs> yeah, well, it surprised me. Those are all good choices. So I've got my list now. Thank you very much. But speaking of amazing people or amazing things, who's inspired you along the way? I've had lots of different inspirations. Um, my coaches, my swimming coaches over the years, um, you know, my teachers in school, uh, obviously parents. And I just, um, I've, you know, created a great uh, group of people that have helped guide me and, and have support me over the years. So 
Inspiration comes in many, many forms. I mean, Chet Pipkin inspires me every day. I mean, that person who founded Belkin 35 years ago, what he's accomplished and, and just be so authentic and so grounded, that's a great inspiration each and every day. Very fortunate, best job in the world I have. So very fortunate for that. But you look outside the industry, you look at what uh, great people are doing. You know, great rugby players growing up in Ireland. Let's see, Tony O'Reilly, one of the more face, famous rugby players in his time. Also a great marketer, by the way. He's a gentleman who uh, developed the Kerrygold brand and he was CEO of Heinz. A great success. So so I've lots of lots of people have inspired me in different ways and I, I make it myself. That's great. Okay, so I have a totally off-the-wall question for you. Um it comes from a really good friend of mine who was uh, trying to join a rugby team. And she said the initiation uh, <laughs> this could just be that they were teasing her um, is you have to get up naked and drink beer from a boot on top of a bar. Is that true? Bullshit. Never heard that one. <laughs> Never heard that one. Never heard that. Yeah. The other saying, it's funny. I mean, people think it's a very violent game. It's actually a hell lot safer than American football because there's a lot of finesse that goes into rugby and tackles. You know, you can't tackle above the waist and, and so forth. So uh, rugby is quite a safe game in that guise. And, um, you know, there's a saying, you know, rugby is, is played by white collar people, whereas soccer is played by blue collar people, you know, and soccer's always seem to be the more safe for the two. So it's quite ironic. But no, rugby, it's, it's again about the team and how they take advantage of situations and come together. And it's a, it's a great sport. Okay, well, I'll tell her not to fear that anymore. <laughs> so uh, I think they were pulling her leg. Um, I think so, too. I know. It's amazing. I'll have to ask her if she actually did it. Um, anyways, uh, I digress. So, Karen, I always love talking to you. I could talk to you for a long, long time today. But unfortunately, we are almost out of time. So um, I have one more question for you. If you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what else would you be doing? Wow. I always thought I was going to be a pilot. When I was in school, high school, uh, a pilot was what I wanted to be. And actually at that time, Aer Lingus every year would, uh, has a cadet school. So you come straight out of high school and Aer Lingus would actually train you to become a pilot. So you wouldn't go to college, you go to Aer Lingus and that would be equivalent of your college because they, they pay for your four years of flight school and training and so forth. And this is in the early 80s and during the height of the recession in Ireland, um, it was like 20, uh, unemployment was above 25% at the time. The uh, country was in really bad state. And the, the year I, I graduated high school, we started, it's about a four-day exam schedule. We did day one and we we're leaving at the end of day one and said, don't come back tomorrow, we'll send you a note. And they sent a note and they had canceled the cadet school that year because of the recession. It was so bad, they canceled the cadet school. So I could have nearly become a pilot possibly. Isn't that amazing? So a pilot would be the one thing I would love to have done. But over the years, you know, I'd love, um, I think being a teacher, uh, such a noble cause, you know, being able to impart and help guide and, and create the next generation, I think would be something um, I would aspire to be. I don't know how good I would be, but it's certainly something I would aspire to be. Wow. I, I can totally see you as a teacher and, and I think you'd make a really fun pilot too. Um, so by the way, your, your friend, Tony Rogers has a thing for aviation. In fact, he has his own small plane. So next time you're in Bentonville, the two oh, I will certainly mention that to Tony. I definitely will. 
Good yeah, for him. absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's doing he's doing great work with Walmart. Absolutely. He sure is. Kieran, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really appreciate you and everything that you do. You've been a huge mentor for me. And I highly encourage anyone who wants to learn about all these wonderful topics to reach out to you. Not that you don't have enough to do, but uh, Kieran is the best. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, you're awesome. Oh, thank you. Hey, let's get that rotational program going too. I think that would be a fun win. I would love to. I would love to. Cool. All right. I'm on it. Kieran, thank you so much. Thank you, Nadine. Have a good day.